morning. This is Sadie Miller, the voice of Sarah Jane Smith, and you're listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'll see you in the future. November 15th, 2022. I'm Steve Boder. I'm Chip Hassan-Blub. We're just a couple of guys sitting around talking about things that are important to us. Hopefully they're important to you. If you need more information, there's so many great ways to find more information. This week, Chip, the Weather Channel, uh, uh, it's cold. It's cold here in Chicago. How's it in North Carolina? Wasn't interesting. It was like 80 degrees on Saturday. Yes. And then we wake up and it's like, and now it's 30 and you're like, what just what just happened? Well, there was a state cop chasing us, so we had to lower. We had to go down from eighty to thirty. Oh my goodness, bad jokes. But regardless, uh, it will pop back up here, and everything will be all back to normal. We'll have a nice, toasty Thanksgiving, Steve. Film at eleven. Brings us to our film at 11, our movie of the week. Hey, Chip, did you make it to the movie theater this week? Steve, we review movies, so of course I did. <laughs> Remember when I promised that I would watch movies? <laughs> what did you go see, Chip? What kind of forever, Steve? Kind of forever. This is the sequel to the Black Panther movie that we've been long awaiting. Uh, this is the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Post Chadwick Boseman. So Chadwick Boseman was the Black Panther, and they've chose not to recast this character. But the first part of this film is certainly a celebration of the actor mm -hmm. uh, as Black Panther and the character's death. This is a long film, Steve. This is three hours. Three hours we're oh. sitting in a theater. So there's a lot to go through in this movie as far as um, they the filmmakers wanted to put together. They chose to introduce Wakanda. The uh, the characters that we were originally introduced to um, in the first film, and minus Chadwick Boseman. Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to sort of work their way through this new world. If you remember, the, the previous film ended where Wakanda was going to offer their expertise. They're the most advanced uh, civilization on Earth. They've been uh, blessed with this um, special metal that's available to them. And every country out of the world, every UN country, too, is searching around to see if they can find this somewhere else, somewhere okay. else. So ultimately, we're introduced to King Namor and his uh, kingdom. Uh, in the comic books, uh, Namor is from Atlantis. Well, they've changed that for the MCU. He is now, um, they're a legacy from the Yucatan. So they have Mayan influences. And in fact, the actor who plays Namor got to say that, hey, they get to celebrate my culture. He's, he's from Mexico. Nice. And the Mayan, which I don't know how they would know how Mayan sounds like, was um, used as the language of Talocan which is the uh, the kingdom that um, Namor lives in and all the other people who live under the ocean. That's awesome that they can 
bring in more cultures into this movie. Black Panther certainly was one of those movies that that changed the cultural landscape of the MCU, and it seems like it's a great place to add even more cultural relevance. Well, I would love to say it was all Jack Kirby, um, the original person. In fact, if you don't know the story of how Black Panther came into being as far as the Fantastic Four was where he was introduced, it was because I think a child wrote wrote the magazine and said, hey, there are no black characters. Hmm. And Jack Kirby said, you're right. I'm going to create one. Awesome. So Stan Lee and, and Jack Kirby back in the 1960s created the Black Panther because of their limited number of books they were able to release at that time. Black Panther didn't get his own series till a little bit later, but yeah, we get a lot of these kingdoms. And in fact, Jack Kirby made lots of kingdoms. The human and humans live in a kingdom, and the Eternals live in a kingdom, and all these other places on Earth. So any type of uh, legend, any type of mythology, that's the beautiful part about the Marvel Universe is that they were able to to show what made their civilization special. Nice. So we have once again Talokan, and we have Wakanda. And um, their Namor and Wakanda's uh, leadership are going to create some kind of alliance or are going to try to create some alliance because the special metal, Steve, was found in Talokan too. On Obtainian? No, that's, that's Avatar. <laughs> this is not a great film. Okay. Are people very happy when they're there? They're absolutely happy. They want to see these characters. And you there's went the- on premiere night. You went on opening night, just like you did for the original Black Panther. And, and you had a crowd of people that were there excited for this, right? Oh, Steve, they were so excited. In fact, it wasn't like Spider-Man. When Spider-Man, they were cheering. And they're like yelling at the scream and cheering. So the- Spider-Man is on a whole different level than pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. But Black Panther got a round of applause. When it ended, the crowd clapped. I mean, you're in a movie theater, right? Yeah. Yeah, so everybody's having a good time. Um, what I will say is, through Phase Four of the MCU, Marvel and Disney have tried very, very hard to try to create younger characters. Mm-hmm. And so, if we think back, Miles Morales, which is a Spider-Man, is probably the most successful of those. Diversification is also part of this. America Chavez was introduced in the Doctor Strange movie from the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are introduced to a, a certain Chicagoan, Steve, a Chicagoan um, <laughs> that's going to school at MIT there, Steve. That's, that is the worst Chicago accent. Please tell me that they didn't use that Chicago accent in this movie. No, they used a street accent because, you know, kids who go to MIT, mm-hmm. they, they're from the streets. Steve. <laughs> well, anyway, it doesn't really matter. The whole point is we're introduced to a character there and later on we're introduced to more. So this idea of introducing more diversity mm-hmm. and younger characters, once again, trying to when back in the, the 30s and 40s and 50s, Superman, I don't know what he was, 30 years old, Steve, mm-hmm. um, Billy Banton with with Captain Marvel, Shazam, you know, he's a kid that turns into an adult. What is he, 30 years old? I, I, we don't know. But for Today's generation, typically, we want younger kids to identify with younger people. Sure. So if you had a, um, I don't know, a college student or a high schooler or even even younger Mm -hmm. um, who has connections to the superhero universe, 
this is what they want. Mm-hmm. This is what they're trying to to do. Certainly, they're trying to make the Marvel Universe more appealing to women. I shouldn't say girls. As, it, you know, it typically was attracted to, uh, I don't know, what would you say? Seven-year-old uh, to... 12 year old 13 year old is is that what what spider-man and the fantastic four and the black panther and all that would appeal to this comic uh age yeah i think that the that age uh, the age that i have in my middle school those are the kids that are being influenced by their media and when i was when I was their age, yes, comic books was a big part of who I was. I was reading those stories and getting those adventures, and they crave that adventure. They want to see themselves in that story, and it's important for the the publishers of all media to understand that giving that story to those kids is going to get them to be the middle-aged men and women of the future that are still watching and reading those stories. And how better to sort of uh, go towards that audience than to put together a three-hour film statement? <laughs> it seems like seems like a misstep it seems like a, a a shorter story would would work better let me just be clear there was a lot they had to go through this is world building um they are setting this up i don't know if wakanda is going to be the bad guy in one of these films it could be okay. it certainly uh, addressed how public relations how being viewed by one group versus another certainly could create some crazy alliances. I mean, think about World War II, where the United States, Britain, and uh, the Soviet Union were allies together. I mean, certainly an odd group. Yeah. I mean, especially after the war ended and the United States and Soviet Union go into the Cold War. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there there is uh, Namor in the comics is sort of, he's not a good guy, he's not a bad guy. But he's certainly a very arrogant type of man. And and this, he's not quite as arrogant. He's certainly um, more humble. But he's a king. He's a king of his um, area, and he wants to be safe. And he's looking to create alliances. I can't help but think even Game of Thrones. You know, it's not as bloody as Game of Thrones. But certainly that storytelling where characters come in and out. We're following a character for a while. All of a sudden they're killed off, and now we're following a different character. Okay. I can't imagine. It's not that type of violence, but certainly I think that storytelling is playing into the MCU a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where this goes. Obviously, if you're a person who likes this type of film, you're really going to enjoy this. It is part of the puzzle that creates the grand story. And, that, and there's the beautiful part. It's the grand story, and you've got your little part of it. I think that for the group that I saw, the young people and the, the parents that went in and saw Black Panther, they loved it. They truly loved it. I give it 55 out of 100. Okay. So is it great? You know, it's not going to be like Oscar winning, uh, change your life type no, of thing. because Angela Bassett has been floated as an Oscar contender for her work in this movie. Well, Disney can buy what they want, Steve. <laughs> we'll get to that movie later. <laughs> <laughs> sure I, I, you can get a nomination for anything okay i, I think she, i think she did fine but these are superhero films yeah martin, martin scorsese called it right this is 
I call it the grand story. That's that's mm-hmm. what the comics were. The grand story. You plug in, you watch it, you 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 digest it, and then you know you kind of go on with your life. I don't think you're going to sit there and contemplate your life has been changed by this. Yeah. I think you're there for it's like Disney. It's, it's a consumable. Okay. So the question that we've been asking for a few years now is, are we through the era of superheroes or is the superhero movie still strong and and ready for more? Well, if they're like this, I think they're going to be around for a while. I think they'll be around for a while. If they're like the Disney Plus type series, I don't know, because I think it's kind of working against the specialness and it's kind of, I don't know, it's just filler. It's just filler. And I and I, I used, I called Black Panther Wakanda Forever kind of filler too, but there's a difference to it. It's part of the grand story. It's important. All right. This, this is important. It's, impo- it's, a, this it's important. Something. Well, it's important to this big story. Yeah. And like I said, I'm investing three hours, not eight hours right. of mindless whatever it is you also got a chance to see a movie that is uh it gets a lot of a lot of attention in 2022 you saw where the crawdads sing uh, a movie about a woman who raised herself in the marshes of the deep south and becomes a suspect in the murder of a man with whom she was once involved dun 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 Steve, let's say that you were part of a book club. I don't know, like sandwiches at a regular hour. Let's say we did a book every month. <laughs> what are the chances we would read Where the Crawdads Sing? Well, probably very high. Very high. The, the, the irony is my 16-year-old just purchased a copy of this for his book club this week. He did? Yes, he did. Oh, my goodness. All right, so this is a story that takes place in a fictional town in North Carolina that I think is in northeastern North Carolina, near the Great Dismal Swamp. Don't ask me why, but she grows up. She's called Marsh Girl. And um, what I should mention about this is they get a lot wrong about North Carolina. (laughs) And um, let's make sure this is a feral child. In fact, they were a bunch of feral children that went through really, really abusive situations. Mom runs runs away, just so you know. And then... um, the town folks, Steve, they keep to their own business. They don't put their nose in anybody else's business, you know, as the father is abusing them. So they all run away, right? Oh, my God. But that, there's there's the first part. It's just, you just have to ask yourself, oh, crazy. This takes place in 1939. Dad is a drunk, Steve. He likes Jim Beam, and he goes to the local convenience store to purchase it. Mm-hmm. Well, in North Carolina, there's the ABC store. That's the only place you could purchase uh, bourbon. And uh, that's been since 1935, Steve. This the Alcoholic again Beverage Control, ABC. Alcoholic yeah. Beverage Control Store. Interesting. The ABC store. <laughs> okay. That's what it is. Sure. Well, I mean, it's very different than Illinois. Very much. Yeah. So the state controls alcohol purchases here. Okay. For um, yeah, not to the benefit of the of the population, but they 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 like to control things in certain areas of the of the country. Anyway, uh, my point being is that that seems like something that an editor should have picked up on, or a person who is writing this, or a at least a person, a filmmaker should have picked this up. A little bit said, of oh, this is this is this is not right. <laughs> and uh, the other part about it is once again, I mean, Barkley Clo- Cove, 
where this takes place, they could have picked a real place. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to pick a, a fictional town. All right, so what do we get? We get a uh, good boyfriend. We get rapey boyfriend. We get uh, a person who kind of finds herself and discovers herself. And um, for those people out there that really like their, what do they call it, unschooling children? Is that the uh, the group where you kind of let your children go wild and whatever they want to experience, they experience? Well, here's a case study of it, Steve. And she becomes an author. She draws, um, she has a expertise in the sea, the sea creatures of, uh, of North Carolina, Steve. She, she, she draws them. This movie leaves a lot to be desired i i see initially why it appeals to book club people okay this movie is not particularly good i say 33 out of 100 okay so So you're you're pretty frustrated by by the inconsistencies and the the frustrating uh sequence of events where it seems like nobody cares in this story well and, and even if you took those things out i kind of omitted those and said oh well, I, we'll take those out. Okay. It still isn't. It's it's a paper thin story. Yeah. And it just seems like it's one of those ones that it's got this folksy southern type of twang to it, but it just doesn't have any um, substance to it. It really is. Yeah. I like I said, I can see why a book club would say would want this. You know, all great stories begin in the South, as as we all agree, Steve. <laughs> Um, and this one, unfortunately, is not going to stand to be part of that shelf of, of great books All right, or films. All right. So our next book club. No, just kidding. Just kidding, Chip. <laughs> you also got a chance to see Olivia Wilde's latest film, Don't Worry, Darling. Yeah, we wouldn't want to talk too much about this because it is kind of a Twilight Zone type of story where we're trying to figure it out. What, what I will tell you is when you get down to the sets, and the clothing that they wear and the um the lighting and the music and all those things that make a great film Mm -hmm. she is certainly an incredible filmmaker Mm -hmm. everything looks tight it sounds tight it's bubbly you know she also did book smart from a couple years ago that we really enjoyed Mm -hmm. and i think that this is another film that i really enjoyed um there is a, a deeper message here Mm-hmm. Um, there's a message of, you know, of how many variables a, a person can kind of control in their life. Um, there is a, a message of what extent would we give up humanity to live in an ideal? Mm-hmm. And then what would a person be willing to do to do that? Well, like I said, I don't want to give away this story. I would say 75 out of 100. Cool. Just think Twilight Zone and just go along for the ride. This is a, a a good film. It's got a great cast and Olivia Wilde. I can't wait to see what she does. That's that's a great review right there. I, I still have not seen this one. I will put it on my list of things to get done in the next few weeks. Speaking of the Twilight Zone, though, Chip, I got to see a film that is very much in that vein of the Twilight Zone, but it's much more like the Night Gallery. Did you ever watch the Night Gallery, the the the, the Kmart version of the Twilight Zone? <laughs> Was Rod Serling part of that too? Yes, this is still Rod Serling's storytelling, but it was different. The movie that I got to see this week is called The Bubble. It was put out in 1966. It is very much in that 
filmmaking of Batman 1966 and all of those sorts of films from that era that that you experience but you don't quite see reality in this is the story of a pregnant woman in an airplane who is uh (laughs) who is in the throes of giving birth and they have to find a place to land the airplane of course they land the airplane in a weird unusual place where everything is strange and the people are behaving like zombies and not exactly uh human in the way that they work and maybe there's aliens that are involved that maybe the aliens and there's pod people but it's not pod people it's not any of those movies this is a, a story that goes nowhere this the, the plot is terrible and the character development doesn't make any sense uh this is this is a movie that was built for mystery science theater 3000 for sure and that's the point of it, is that you weren't really watching the 1966 version. You were watching a 2022 Mystery Science Theater um, experience where they were making fun of this film. Absolutely right. This is a Joel episode. Joel returns as the host of Mystery Science Theater again, and he has been talking about this movie for over a year. He has been teasing the community about this movie coming up, calling it the next Manos. Manos, The Hands of Fate, is quite possibly the worst movie ever made, and we have watched it over and over again in the mystery science theater community because it's so bad it's fun this movie is so bad i can't imagine watching it again there's there's just this ethereal vibe to it there's no actual plot that's one of the conversations i had on the community was i love the vibe of it it's so weird yeah but that's all it is is just weird But the point of it is, once again, to watch the Mystery Science Theater, people make fun of it. Was that enjoyable? Would that work in a repeat viewing? Honestly, I honestly I don't know. I I hate this movie so much. I don't know if I can watch it again, even with the jokes put in that Joel is telling us how silly this is while we're watching it. The after show, Joel actually said that was the worst after show they've ever had because everybody was not being fun and funny about this production of this movie because this movie is so depressing and so bad bad that it, it knocks down the audience there you go there you go <laughs> that's that's what i like is watching movies that are so bad i don't want to watch them again there's some movies that are opening this week i wonder if some of these will be on that list the first one is called the menu this is an all-star cast ralph fines judith light and john leguizamo are a group of people that are brought to a remote island for an exclusive restaurant experience uh, with some shocking surprises. This is very Twilight Zone-ish. This looks very Twilight Zone-ish. I have a friend of mine who worked on this film as one of the costumers. And so I will be seeing this this week. If you wanted to go to a film this week, this one looks really good. But Steve, let's put a spotlight on the next film. (laughs) 
Next one's called She Said. This is the story of two New York Times reporters who break one of the most important stories in a generation, the beginning of the Me Too movement, the story of Harvey Weinstein and his uh, digressions in the industry. And we get a a few of these type films. Uh, First of all, this is a a very interesting subject because Harvey Weinstein, for a period of time, was involved in so many. If we if we had a list of the top 20 films of one of the years that where he was working, maybe 18, 17 of them, he would have had his hand in part of it. So he was a very, very powerful person. And what we learned is this is an industry that kind of uh, allowed um, actors, female actors, to be put in certainly very um, compromising positions mm-hmm. and... Yeah, the, the the industry kind of needed to grow up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but but spotlight, I use that because that was a film that was un- uncovering it was about the Boston Globe uncovering the uh, Catholic scandal, mm-hmm. Catholic priest scandal. Um, we get a few of these films um, that where the reporters come in and they're breaking a story, and this looks um, very good and something that certainly I'll see at some point. Very good. There's a movie called Lamborghini. The man behind the legend, Gabriel Byrne and Frank Grillo, are Lamborghini and Ferrari and learning about how to make luxury automobiles and, and the market for those. Uh, I don't know if those are luxury automobiles, babe. They were built for speed. Okay. <laughs> There's a movie called The Last Manhunt coming out this week. This is Jason Momoa in a very straight Western, very much that old-timey Western story. Uh, A lot of Native Americans in this really making their voice heard about how they are being treated in the Old West. All right, let's go to the next one. The Inspection is about a young gay black man who has been rejected by his mother and a lot of the rest of his society and he decides to join the marines to do whatever he can to succeed in that system all right and now we go to a next one that you know if we were part of the astrology group steve oh i was thinking about this goes in the cars group this one's called taurus uh the story of a rising problematic musician this is megan fox being megan fox and scoot mcnary as the uh the voice of reason in taurus I wonder who will be Weird Al in this one, Steve. I think Scoot McNary. I think Scoot McNary could play Weird Al. I, I, I enjoy his work for sure. <laughs> they got this film out. The uh, the Weird film came out before this film. They didn't <laughs> want to steal the thunder, Steve. It's very similar. <laughs> Doubtful. No, this is not very similar at all. It's, but musicians, man, musicians. There is a movie called There, There coming out this week. This is one of those COVID era micro budget romance movies. We've seen a few of these already. The filming had to happen separately. So it's it's kind of like filmed over Zoom. It's got an all star cast again, though. This is Jason Schwartzman and Lily Taylor in this one. And I'm not going to say it looks forgettable, but let's just say there are other films to see. Uh, yeah. Brings us to our book it, our book of the week. You know, I, I have railed on this show against the award-winning books. I, I sometimes hear from 
my sources that tell me award-winning books. These are good books. You should read them. And I try, I try to read good books. And sometimes they are just not my flavor. I I went again this week and tried an award-winning book. I read The Galaxy and the Ground Within by Becky Chambers. And I got to tell you, this is definitely a good book. So let's start off. What, what genre is this book? This is science fiction. This is the fourth book in the Wayfarers series. Becky Chambers has won the Nebula Award for this series. It's the story of a, a bunch of different people from different races from across the galaxy traveling through space. This book, part four, is they stop off at a, a space truck stop where where they're fueling up they're they're getting what they need from this stop in the middle of nowhere and then there's a terrible uh catastrophe that keeps them stuck in this spot they cannot leave they cannot communicate and they're stuck there together for several days are they at a restaurant at the end of the universe <laughs> now now Yes, it's just like that. <laughs> Do they have a group of beings thanking them for the fish? You are presenting me with books that I like better than this. You are right. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the series from Douglas Adams, is, is quite possibly my favorite type of book. This is not that. This is This is much more a... Uh, metaphor for humanity as much of science fiction is and this one focuses on the relationships how we communicate with each other how we can understand each other and how we can honor each other's differences bringing together all of these different types of creatures from different planets that breathe different air eat different food and finding a way for them to communicate with each other there's nothing that happens in this story this is a story that nothing happens in but i gotta tell you the way that becky chambers creates these characters and shows us this very human idea of getting together and understanding each other. I just couldn't stop reading this story. So over bread, they were, they were breaking bread and communicating, Steve, like Seinfeld. It's a story about nothing. It, this is a story about nothing, but it's not just bread. There's a, there's a big conversation in here about cheese, about how weird cheese is. It, it's, it's a strange concept that we take the milk from another mammal and we let it mold and get bacteria in it, and it's delicious. That doesn't make sense. And there's a long conversation about how the foods that we enjoy might be very different from somebody else's experience. And the foods that somebody else enjoys, we might turn our nose up at, because that is not part of our culture. Well, there you go. You're breaking bread and, and creating uh, challenges right there of mm -hmm. better understanding, Steve. There is uh, a, a lot of interesting characters in here. There's one character who is a gender neutral character who uses the pronouns Z and Zir, 
who is a young creature who's going to decide their gender as they mature. And we see how that interaction with that character and the others and understanding each other comes about in this story. Sometimes there are different ways of thinking, different ways of speaking, and different words for things, and that's okay. We can live together and work together toward a common goal, even with our differences in place. This is a very different story from older science fiction. Older science fiction would really hit you over the head with some of the metaphors of what the author is trying to change in our world. But Becky Chambers here is really careful and giving us a very credible view of this future world that might be a reflection of what we're doing and make us think about how our social aspect of existence would change given who we are interacting with. Does she give the the meaning of life? I I think that her message here, the meaning of life is getting to know each other, caring about each other, finding a way to work together. That I think is her message in this book. This is very much a metaphor for being trapped, very much the uh some of the feelings that we had during the pandemic lockdown where we were all separate, we could not be with each other. And she she really taps into some of those feelings here. Can they talk to each other via, you know, chat and video and and talking on the phone yeah but that's still not the same as being in the room with each other she's got several characters that breathe different air they cannot be in the same room with each other and and the challenge of keeping those connections or making new connections with these strangers is very much at the forefront of this story so the answer is 42 the answer is 42. I think that uh, 42 is is definitely, I, I did read a Douglas Adams book this week too. So yes, there's some, there's some interaction here between that science fiction and this. This is very much a, a deep thought sort of thing. Yes, that's a Douglas Adams reference. The idea of how we work and how we can help each other and how we can care about each other is on the forefront of this story about nothing. I, I recommend this one. I'm surprised that I'm saying this, but I recommend galaxy and the ground within, even though it is the fourth book in a series, I was told that I didn't need to know any of the story going into this. This is a very standalone story that is very understandable, especially after our pandemic lockdown. I, I recommend that you find The Galaxy and the Ground Within by Becky Chambers. And you also should pick up a towel. You should always know where your towel is. Scroll with it. Brings us to our scroll with it. Uh, there's some news happening in the world. Let's talk about almost none of it. Uh, boy, oh boy, cryptocurrency is back in the news this week, Chip. Steve, it's the future. Is it? Is it? Uh, well, it's filing for bankruptcy, Steve. <laughs> That's the future. <laughs> FTX, the cryptocurrency exchange, has filed for bankruptcy. And boy, is this shaking up this industry. 
Sure, cryptocurrencies are certainly in their infancy, Steve. I've been interviewed about them. Um, certainly, there are a lot of challenges with them. Hey, bankruptcy exposes all those challenges, Steve. Mm-hmm. And so for anybody out there, just be weary. My favorite part about this is uh, the New York Times is our source mm-hmm. for our uh, article that uh, basically announcing this crypto exchange filing bankruptcy, Steve. But, you know, as you can imagine, where does the New York Times get their news, Steve? Apparently from Twitter, because apparently, <laughs> apparently FTX exchange itself or the guy, Sam, Sam Bankman Freed, the guy who is in charge of this, took to Twitter and said, everything is fine. Don't worry. Well, just like a former president, Steve, Twitter seems to be a place where you can speak directly to your supporters. Yeah, at least it used to be. Twitter is certainly going through some some changes this week. Some big, big difference in that megaphone of Twitter. Yeah, there's some some challenges going on since Elon Musk has taken over. We'll see if they get straightened out over time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the future of Twitter looks like. Uh, for right now, I'm certainly staying away from it and not believing anything that I see in that news source and and not using it as a news source. Maybe the New York Times would be the right news source. Oh, wait, they took their data from Twitter. Hey, Steve, where are they going to follow us? On uh, social media. Right. Let me let me get to the end of the show where uh, maybe I'll put a, a line through a certain uh, social media or two at the end. Yeah, uh, that, Don't worry. Mark Zuckerberg's got his own challenges, Steve. Uh, no doubt about that. No question about that. So we, we can celebrate, right? We've got a little bit of joy left in, in us through all of this. Whovember continues and our trip to Chicago TARDIS, the Doctor Who convention, is happening on November 25th through 27th, and they made a big announcement this week, Chip. So Chicago TARDIS is the Midwest's largest Doctor Who convention, Steve, Ooh. and that takes place in Weston Lombard on November 25th to 27th. Steve, Tell us who's going to be there. I tried to give you your who joke and you didn't react to it. That's funny to me. (laughs) We have a new announcement this week. Sophia Miles, the girl in the fireplace, will join us at Chicago TARDIS this year. I am so excited to meet her. She is just a fantastic actor. She's been in so many things. The girl in the fireplace is so many people's favorite episode of Doctor Who, even though it's from 2006, it's still so memorable. The storytelling, the acting, the costumes. She plays Madame de Pompadour in this one and what a what a character, what a fun story for the doctor to get into this relationship with this woman that ends so very quickly because of time travel. Well, for those who are not familiar with Sophia Miles, she's one of the 50 British actors oh, who just basically they, they just rotate through the different uh the different series, Steve. So she's been in everything, and she's wonderful. And I look forward to shaking her hand and, and thanking her for her her ability to give us these stories. There's two documentaries. Will, will, will you be thanking her for her service, Steve? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for, for your service. <laughs> Doctor Who is very important to me. <laughs> 
there's two documentaries that are going to be screened at the convention this year. Doctor Who Am I and Indoctrinated are both going to be screened at this. I look forward to seeing both of those movies. Those are movies, Chip. I will watch movies at uh, Chicago TARDIS this year. I'll put them look in. Forward. The we look forward to your... <laughs> Your review, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's excited to hear what I think about these documentaries about my favorite thing. I think I probably liked them. (laughs) I don't know, Chip. I think we have enough information to survive another week. What do you think? Only if we can come back next week, Steve. I think we can. It's an exciting week next week. Turkey Day is coming, and next week is our Turkey Day episode. I I look forward to what we're going to talk about then. We would love to hear from you. Give us a call or text. Our phone number is 805-4104-TMS. Our website is toomuchscrolling.com. Our email is toomuchscrolling at gmail.com. We still exist on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and YouTube. And you can always ask your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Too Much Scrolling. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Foder. I'm Chip Hasselblad. We'll see you in the future. 